Hi, I'm Hallie, and I'm here to welcome you to The Odd Life, that's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. You see, I feel that women who are living odd have such important stories that need to be heard so they can inspire us to find our own oddness. I want this to be a space where you come to laugh, cry, feel inspired, and most of all, feel more connected to yourself and the women in this odd life community. I'll be talking with women who are practitioners, authors, experts, entrepreneurs, creatives, coaches, philanthropists, and so many more, as well as doing solo casts to bring you what you need when you need it. No matter where you are on your journey in this life, why not go through it odd AF? Again, I'm your host, Hallie, and this is the Odd Life Podcast. Welcome, my friends. I'm so, so glad you're here today with me to hang out and to meet my guest today. Her name is Katie Rexing of Katie Rexing Wellness. She is someone I met online uh, via Instagram through a friend, um, a mutual friend that did her Reset and Restore program, loved it shared it. And so then I decided I better join in because I didn't want to miss out anything that's going to help me feel better. And it sure did. Katie led this reset and restore program a few times now. And it is about mindfulness and meditation. And it really helped me get back to more of a regular meditation practice. And it's been just game changing for me. Again, I've been dealing with a lot of things with stress and just a lot of unexpected things from menopause. So I have really needed this time. I mean, she has definitely been introduced in my life at this time for a reason. And I absolutely love her. She is one of those people that just radiates love and kindness and grace and warmth. And you're going to hear that just through the audio. I can only imagine what it's like to be in her presence. So uh, in this conversation, we talked about the first time she's learned to start hearing her own voice, her intuition, and how that led her down a series of paths that have basically brought her to where she is today. And we talked about her struggle with perfectionism, how she learned to let go of who she isn't, uh, her path to finding her true self, she's let go of alcohol in her life, and also the need for affirmation outside of herself. And there's a ton more we talk about. So without any more delay, here is Katie Rexing of Katie Rexing Wellness. Enjoy. Hi, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Oh my God. I am so thrilled that you're here. Um, I, I'm just so grateful for you and for being mm-hmm. here. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to hang out with me. Um, of course. For the audience. Yeah. I just uh, love you. Um, this has been a long time coming. Yes. So I'm- Yeah, the feeling is mutual. So- like I adore you and you've been nothing but like a huge supporter of mine and like you're such a huge supporter of other women doing similar things and you have such amazing energy and like I just think the world of you. So thank you oh, thank for you. having me and inviting me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Um, someday, hopefully we'll be able to do this in person and I'd love to meet you, but I don't yeah. need to, to like have a relationship with you. Yeah. That makes sense. I know, right? Like the beauty and the curse of this online world. Like I feel like I know. you just connect differently. Totally. Okay. So let's get into it. Let's talk about who Katie Rexing is. So let's give everybody a kind of a quick little bio of yeah. who you are kind of right now, the what, where, how, all that kind of stuff right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 Okay. So first and foremost, um, I'm just a, a woman who really is on a mission to live her most like authentic, fulfilled life. At the end of the day, like when this is all over, I just hope that I look back and be like, you know what? I did all the things that felt really good to me. I am 43 years old and I spent a lot of time chasing the wrong things. And so right now I'm in a space in my life where I just want to live the most authentically and the most aligned and do things that feel good. Um, But from like a practical standpoint, who I am, I'm a mama of four. I've got um, kids who are in their teen years. I've got a 13-year-old, 11, and then all the way down to a kindergartner. So we span all, (laughs) all ages in my home. Um, and so I'm dealing with, you know, all different ranges of things. 
I am a professionally trained chef, so food is a huge part of my life. I used to work in the culinary world, and that's always been a big part of my life. And I'm also a yogi. I used to teach yoga back in the day. I shouldn't say I still teach yoga in some, in just a different form now. Um, so yoga has always been a huge part of my life. We are, our family is currently living in Chicago, but I was just talking with Hallie that we're moving to Southern California. And I run a, a, I ran a blog for about four or five years where I was just sharing everything from food to motherhood to, um, you know, yoga. And about a year ago, I was getting a lot of questions about my meditation practice. I would always share online, you know, like, oh, here's me <laughs> before the kids wake up meditating. I don't have any like formal meditation uh, teaching per se outside of like my yoga teaching or experience. Um, but people were asking about it. So I decided to start sharing some of the tools and techniques that have really helped sort of transform my life over the past 10 years or so. And from that, the Katie Rexing Wellness like page or company, I guess you could say, grew. And here we are today and just trying to help women that were in similar space that I was 10 years ago, try to reconnect with themselves, refine themselves, and really give themselves um, tools and like everyday tactical practices to help them feel good in their bodies, to help them feel well, to help them feel content and at ease. It's just something that, you know, years ago I wish I would have had. So it's sort of for me, I'm creating a toolbox, if you will, for other women that like back years ago I would have welcomed with open arms. Yeah. And it's so funny. I think that's something that is, uh, I didn't realize that, I mean, when you put it that way, I was, that's where my whole purpose with this has come as well Is it's because of, I wish I would have had this 10 plus years ago. I wish I would have had that person yeah. lighting the way. And yeah. um, while there, I'm sure there were people out there, we weren't necessarily tuned into those people. It's hard to find sometimes. And you kind of feel like you're fighting yeah. it alone. And I love that you're you know, the, the light, you know, the lighthouse, the, you know, whatever the yeah. bl trailblazer, whatever that is for women. But I want to back up a second because you mentioned yeah. a lot of different roles before this one. Yeah. You have pivoted multiple times and I want to get into, so, you know, you know, you were marketing yes. right yes. first, went to college, got into marketing. Like why marketing? What was the thing? Was it just like, yeah. oh, this sounds yeah. right. Like yeah. it's, that's for me. It was like looking back going, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Oh my gosh. No, I was what my mother told me to do. So it's what I did. Right? No, like I had no idea. I mean, who's supposed to know what they want to do at 17, 18 years old? And I, um, growing up, was always a really good girl. You know, I did the things I was supposed to do. I never wanted to rock the bow. I looked everywhere else for everyone else knew more than me, knew better than me. I was never like that good, if you will, at anything. Like I was not good at sports. I was like medium at school. Um, like I just felt very average at best and I just did not trust myself. And so when people had said to me, like, you, you, you really enjoy talking, you should go into communications. And I was like, sure, what, what do we do in communications? Like you could go into marketing. And I was like, Okay. Sounds just good. I kind of got like, yeah, sounds good. Um, but never really had any passion for it. I, I worked in the advertising world for um, a handful of years post-college before I decided this wasn't for me. Yeah. But yeah, I just kind of did it because by default, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Yeah. And then what was the moment where you're like, I am not, I have, this isn't me. Like, and, cause you shifted completely and went to the culinary world. So it wasn't like totally. you went to like finance or accounting. No, you went like no. way over. So no, no. And not only that, but I had to take out like loans. I went in debt and went um, to culinary school. So I quit my job and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have no income. <laughs> I don't highly recommend and um, took out student loans and went back to school for something I was really passionate about. I, when I was stressed at work, I would cook and I would bake and I would have these dinner parties like all the time on the weekends and all my friends would come over and it was just like, this thing. Like I always loved cooking. It was my stress reducer. At the time, I didn't understand that it was like just because it was something like working with your hands. It was it was physically doing something. It's kind of like how yoga is for me now. They're very similar in that sense or like even gardening, like getting in and creating something, doing something and like being really present. Cooking really requires you to be um, in the present and in the mm -hmm. moment and trusting mm -hmm. your intuition. And there was something that I could do that like I could get in the flow of cooking. And so I knew that I had to make a change, but I was like, I am doing something I love to de-stress from something I hate, yet I can't get rid of the thing I hate because it pays the bills. And I was like, well, what if we swapped that? And so at the time it felt so um, wild. You know, this was back like 
15, 20 years ago, like like pre-top chef, pre like women empowerment. Do you know what I mean? Like this wasn't like something. Totally. I was dating John Paul at the time. He's like, wait, what? I was like, yes. You did a really good job. I was like, I know, but I'm kind of miserable. So that was yeah. Well, let's tap into tap into that for a second because you were not getting support. Like you were like all of a sudden you're probably your parents. Your, your, you know, boyfriend were like, what are you doing? Wow. Like, how do you, how did you blow past that? Because that's such a, that could be a huge roadblock. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I shouldn't say that they weren't supportive. I think it just felt like so, it was one of the first times that I really like pushed for myself mm-hmm. um, and it mm-hmm. felt really good. And I just knew in my gut that I wasn't meant to be in the corporate world. And I knew if I didn't make a change, so I have, I tend, as I think a lot of us do, and I'm going to use the word anxiety, although I hate using the, the word like anxiety because I think women, it's such a nuanced thing. We have so many different emotions, but I don't, didn't have language around like how I was feeling. And so I would just say I have anxiety and I, my job gave me a lot of anxiety, if you will. I didn't understand. There was a lot of other feelings I was feeling at the time, um, but I didn't have language for that then, but I knew it was creating um, dis-ease for lack of a better word in my body. And I had to make a change. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So you do the culinary thing for a while the and then – Yeah, and how, then I got pregnant how, with Asher. Yeah. How long, was, how long was culinary school or how long were you in – Two years and then I was out for about six months only okay. and then I okay. got pregnant with Asher. Got so it. in that time we got married. JP and I got engaged. We got married. We got pregnant. We moved quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, where other people like think about things, I'm like, well, well here we go. Um, Let's roll. Yeah. And at the time I was working in a restaurant in Chicago. I was one of the only females in the kitchen and I was pregnant and it was just like working a lot of really tough hours and it just made no sense to be in the kitchen. And so I, I left and you know what, to be honest, I think I always thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom too. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the stay-at-home mom thing. I'm going to cook. I, at one point I'm like, I'm going to make baby food and sell it. Like I just really wanted um, to be home with the kids, Yeah, yeah. you know, and fast forward a few years Later, we, you know, had multiple kids at this point. I had um, my daughter right after I had Asher, and then we got pregnant again. I had Sloan, and it, it was around then that I started really getting like lost, if you will, in motherhood. It was, mm-hmm. it was really, um, really swallowed me whole. Mm-hmm. If you take a perfectionist like myself, who's used to like doing a lot of things, and you put them home all day with kids, I will perfect the shit out of motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> Like I was, I was, I, you know, I, you told me to do something and I was going to do it. And I'm going to like, we're going to learn all the sleep training things. I'm going to be the best at this. And the house is going to be clean. And oh my gosh, look at our Christmas cards. And we're going to have thank you notes out on time and look at these kids' birthday parties. So I really like, I tackled motherhood. Like I tackled everything else in my life. I was like, I'm going to do it the best that I can. I'm going to give it my all. And um, I kind of ran myself into the ground and I was miserable. I was really good at being, putting on a show of being perfect, but really bad at being happy. Um, so that's, that's kind of where that took me, took me to, to that same feeling I had before. And when I was working in advertising, when I was like, oh, there's that feeling again. What is that? Anxiety, disease, mm-hmm. un- doesn't feel aligned. Something's feeling off. Um, so not that mother, not that that was because of the kids or having mother, being a mother. I think it was because I was doing the motherhood in the way I thought I was supposed to be doing it. Sure. Not in the way that felt natural for me, but just yeah. in the way that like what I was told. Yeah, absolutely. Or what was presented as how you should be or, you know, all the, because back then all the mommy blogs were such a big deal and these pictures and all the stuff. And you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, it was, it was so overwhelming. And it just felt like everyone was doing it so much better than me. Um, You know, and I just wanted to like be the, I don't know. And I don't want to say like be the best at it, but like, I just, I felt like um, I wanted to control it. I think when you have kids and life feels so chaotic, especially when you have multiple, or I shouldn't say that, even if you have one, like life feels really chaotic because um, there's another human involved, right? It's yeah. like you're not in control of things. And so when you're not in control of things, I my tendency to want to control it became even stronger. You know, like, why don't listen? Why isn't there a schedule that works? Why is there no time for me? Um, you know, it was all of those things. Like, I don't know, it just felt, felt like a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, is there something about the control piece that I – all the books, and I'm sure you've done a lot of yeah. reading too. I know you've read a lot of personal growth books, but there's something about kids that have grown up with maybe the chaos that they really want to have control in adulthood. Was that part of your childhood at all? Did you feel kind of chaotic when you were a kid? Like not so much like 
so much going on activity wise, but maybe moods of parents or, you know, um, not knowing if dad's going to be home tonight or just things like that. Yeah. Was there anything like that in your childhood? You know what? I will be totally honest. I feel like it was a pretty stable home, mm-hmm. but I will say that I got my approval or like by, or I, I felt loved by getting everyone else's approval, mainly my mom's and making yeah. sure that like she was happy with me. My mother was, was, um, is amazing. And as she's listening to this, you were amazing. <laughs> you know, but I think um, she had very high expectations of herself and wanted to prove for a lot of people in her own life um, that she was worthy of love. And when you are raised in that type of environment, like you feel like it's impossible to please someone who had, can't please themselves, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Right. So she was constantly striving for that. And so then I was in her shadows, constantly striving for it. So, sure. you know, as that daughter, I felt like, you know, not that I didn't feel like I ever did enough, but I was always, I just wanted to hear like, you did a good job. You're doing good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could, I was raised in a home that could always do it a little bit better. Have you thought of this? Have you, you know, and so I, I really pushed to strive and, um, you know, and my, my mother was my, my best friend and still is in many ways. And, you know, I'd always look to her for advice instead of looking to myself. Like, you know, even going back to like where I went to school and like what I majored in, it was like, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I'll do yes. it. I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. You know, um, that was, I didn't have anything else. Like I wasn't the star athlete. I wasn't, the, I didn't have anything else to prove my worthiness. So my worthiness was my like obedience, if you mm-hmm. will, mm-hmm. was not, not rocking the boat. So in motherhood, again, like I did all the things like to not rock the boat. I raised the kids the way I was, I was taught and told. I, you know, if the pediatrician told me to do something, I was like, I'm going to do that thing. I, I just, I didn't question anything that anyone told me. I did all the things I was supposed to do. And that was supposed to make my kids happy and make me happy. And when the joke was on us that like, we weren't really happy Mm -hmm. and things felt stressful in our home. I was like, I don't understand, but I'm doing all the things I was supposed to do why is this not working? I must be failing. So I'm just going to try harder. Yeah. And then keep digging. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was always the outside validation, always the outside trying to like give you what you needed. When was that shift for you? Because obviously you then eventually um, got into yoga and meditation, as you mentioned. Um, That's an internal shift, right? Listening to yourself. I think the biggest thing when I started doing yoga was like, oh, that's what my own voice sounds like. Oh, interesting. Like I had ignored it for so long. Yeah. Is that when you started to notice your own internal shift of like hearing yourself or was it before that? Yeah. And then yoga was just like a natural progression or? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's like a little bit of both, a little bit of everything here. So I really started getting into yoga after, um, my second child was born, my daughter Lillian, which was 11 years ago. I really got into it and started teaching yoga after she was born. It was though primarily still um, still in the same mindset of the same woman that I was then. So it was like it felt really good in my physical body. I understood the meditation aspect. I understood like the concept like behind yoga and, and all the teachings, but I wasn't really applying it to my everyday life. If that makes sense, like I, I from the outside I was, but I really was wasn't. Yeah, um, I wasn't quite ready yet. I think sometimes like things get introduced to you and you're just not quite ready. So even though I was teaching yoga, even though I was like meditating here and there, it really wasn't a foundation for how I lived my life. It took me, um, so fast forward, JP and I ended up having you know our fourth child out in the East Coast in, in New York. And I, um, I was really unhappy. I was really lost. I was really lonely. I was really overwhelmed by motherhood. I was really kind of to a point where I'm like, I can't keep pleasing everybody. I can't keep doing all the things. I had just like really run myself into the ground. At this point, you know, I had been doing that for like 10 years of just trying to like make everyone happy and I couldn't do it anymore. It was bad. It was really bad. I think I was almost in a depression. At the time, I don't think I knew, but it, I think it was like a mild depression of some sort. And I started getting back into meditation more consistently. And from kind of like that. a lifeline, like a lifeline. Like you were like, I need something. Yeah. So you're like reaching out for something. Yeah. But then even that then like, you know, it's also that's right at the time when I started blogging and I was just like, I need a little something that feels for me, that feels like my voice. And the blog was just supposed to be a creative outlet for me. And, it, and for a long time it was, it was just, it wasn't in any way to like make money to be a business. It was literally just a creative outlet for myself. And I did that for a few years, but that was the thing that kind of gave me 
me back. And as I started writing in conjunction with meditation, and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like, I'm like, I'm going to write this blog to reconnect with myself. It was just all coincidental that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start meditating. I start adding that in, incorporating it just a few minutes in the morning. And then I start saying, you know what? After I meditate, I'm going to sit and work on my blog and I'll write. And I I carved out that like morning hour for myself. And as I started writing and working on the blog, and it was even before it even launched, just like building it, felt so cathartic and therapeutic. And it was just like, I felt like I was finding myself a little bit again. Um, but it took, it really took a long time. And I will say, I think I've gotten, even then, like, had you met that Katie, even a few years ago, I don't think it would be even the version I am today. I would say like, once I started like creeping up to my forties is when I really started to make other changes to be like, you know what? I'm actually also going to not do this with the kids anymore. And actually, I'm going to start saying no to that. And I started feeling like I had a little bit of power taking my own, like reclaiming my own power again in my own voice. And the more I did that, the more I made small little commitments to myself, my confidence in myself grew. And I think I didn't understand that. Like from an outward perspective, yes, I may see confident or I see outgoing, but inwards, I was always like, wait, is someone mad at me? Who is it? Like, what, 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 wait, did I do okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Do you know what I mean? Like I was always still like Mm -hmm. never really sure of myself, but as I started speaking my mind more and also following through with commitments to myself more, meaning like continuing to get up when my alarm went off or continuing to say to JP, actually, I need you to take the kids to school. I know you have a business meeting. I need this because I have X, Y, and Z. The more I continued to prioritize myself, it was these small little commitments that I kept to myself that gave me the confidence that like I could build on that. And mm-hmm. I found, um, like I really started to find my voice again. It sounds so I feel like sometimes people will say this and they'll say like, oh, I just like reconnected myself. And you're like, but wait, how? What? What are you talking about? Like, It's exactly. so um, like high in the sky talk, speak language, if that makes any sense. And so I just want to be really clear with listeners who's ever listened today. It took years and it really started. It was like little whispers and little nuggets that happened like when Lillian was a baby you know, that was, she's 11 now and it takes a long time, but it's like these, the more you keep at it and the more you keep um, learning to trust yourself and listen, the louder it gets and the louder it becomes. And it's funny, I'm 43 now and I think I'm like, oh my goodness, I am like actually kind of just getting started. A hundred percent. You know, where you're like, wow, I, I think I'm finally for the first time starting to know who I am a little bit and I really like her and I'm just like, Hi, nice to meet you. So should we get started? (laughs) Let's do this thing called life together. Yeah. And I feel like the beginning, it's like we're just fumbling around. And then we get – and we're throwing kids in the mix at that age. Like it's too bad you can't have kids biologically older and – because I'm so much smarter than I was then. I'm like, all right, that I overthink. That I'd overthink everything. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. But I feel like, man, I was just – I was growing up right alongside my, my kids. Yeah. Um, I totally and I'm like, agree. I it's, totally a, it's a rough go. And I think that the struggle sometimes too, is if you don't have a solid, you know, um, maybe family of origin, you're having to relearn a lot of things. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you're going to have to, and if you're not aware of it yet, that that's a thing that is an issue. Like maybe yeah. it's codependency, maybe it's, you know, um, perfectionism. Maybe there's something that's going on that you're like, it takes a while for it to go, oh, wait, this is not, I say, I don't, there's nothing normal about anything, but this isn't normal. This isn't how it's supposed to be. How can I fix this? And I don't think I hit that until my forties, like the light bulbs went on, like, oh, I can change this. I don't have to be this way. I can adjust this. And I don't know what that is. If it's an age thing, you kind of hit that milestone, but I think mine was in the forties as well. Like I think it was like a stuck feeling. It was something just didn't feel in alignment, which I know we've talked about Martha Beck's book, The Way of Integrity. If anybody has not read that book, it is so good. It's such a great book. It is, I think every like college student should read it. Like I think just so that you go out into the world with this, uh, you know, does this feel right? And if it doesn't feel right, like that's your intuition. And we talk a lot about, you know, when you're in your kitty, um, you know, Rexing Wellness stuff, your, between your membership and your reset and restore classes you've had, it's just a lot of that is, is listening to that little that little voice, that little yeah. intuitive voice. And it, like you said, it gets louder and louder. And once you've heard it, 
it's like, oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? And we've just between, you know, the perfectionism, the comparing, you know, and we're going to get into this in a second, drinking, you know, um, alcohol, numbing out on a variety of ways, whether it's food, TV, whatever, we shut that voice off. And I want to talk about that in here in a second, because I feel like that's um, another way to listen to yourself is to take away all those things that we use to numb and decide. So you and I both, um, you did it. I think you started in 2020, right? Um, not drinking. Um, I started mine in 2018. I went for about a year and a half without drinking. I shared in a previous podcast. I actually have a solo cast that I talk about my sober story. Um, I have had a uh, cocktails, alcohol since, but it's like, oh, all right. This totally feels different. Like it's like at a different relationship completely. And I wanted to hear about your sober story just for a quick second to how this also helped you become who you are. Um, Give us a little bit of kind of what happened back in 2020. Yeah. I will fill you in on my whole sober story. Can I step back for one second though? I just want to close the loop on that conversation we're talking about, about listening to your voice. And then I know we have to move on because... But I just I feel like I, I remember hearing people talk about this, and I just think this is important because I think sometimes as you're listening to, you know, you speak or me speak, and people are like, I, I get it, but like I don't I don't get it. Like we, we are hearing this voice. What are you talking about? Is it actually a voice? Like it's really hard to to know. And I'm curious because so bright becoming sober was was something like this too. Like this happened to me around sobriety. Like this was my inner voice that came to me about this. But for me, it's one of these things. Like it's a feeling that like, you know, that feeling when you're like, Ooh, this doesn't quite feel right. Uh-huh, and like, I just uh-huh. want to clarify with the people, like when we say voice, I wish it was like an inner feeling we said instead or something. Cause it yes. really, it's like, you'd get like almost sick to your stomach. Like if you go to pick up, you know, you'd make a phone call or like you're going to go meet a friend. You're like, I actually don't want to be friends with this person, but like, I know I, I think I have to. And like, but you have this like gut feeling in the pit of your stomach. That that's it. And I just wanted to express for people that like, I think it's important that like your body physically gives you all these clues and we expect something to be like a neon sign, like don't do this one thing. And it doesn't come like that. It comes in like all of these things. And I also think, and I don't, I'm sure you had this before you get these like thoughts, like all of a sudden, like a thought, like even California, moving to California is like a thought that came into mind. Mm-hmm. Which, it literally just kind of popped in your mind, like walking in the sun was on. I was like, oh, I wish we lived in someplace sunny. What if we lived in California? And I was like, wait a second, is this something? T-? And I was like, actually, this is, this is my body telling me and my mind telling me, like, we want to move. You want to move. You don't enjoy living here. It's okay to say you don't enjoy living here. But I never knew how to, like, pick up on those things. I would just brush it off. Like, I'd brush off the gut feelings. I'd brush off the, like, oh, that's a coincidence. Oh, that's weird. Like, you, you, all of these signs are, like, right in front of us, and we brush them off all of the time. And so mm-hmm. I think as I've gotten clearer by, like, quieting the noise, which I would definitely want to talk about sobriety, which because drinking is one of those, again, a, no- a noise of just such a distraction. Totally. Um, once we, like, quiet all those things, it's so much easier to pick up on those nuances of whether it's our body giving us things, whether it's just a thought that just all of a sudden you're like, I just had this thought, something appeared in my mind. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's your knowing. That's, like, your intuition. That's, that's right. That, so anyway, I just wanted – I thought it was no. important because sometimes I would listen to people. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What I've also read too is that it's the voice, it's the thought, and then it's the feeling like, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Does it make you feel excited, giddy, yeah. whatever? If it's a thought that's like, you know, just a random thought, there may be doubt. You may feel like, oh, I don't know. That's not it. It's yes. the one that makes you feel like lit up and all of a sudden like, <gasps> yeah, like there's a spark that's yeah. gone off inside you. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't be like, it's not fireworks necessarily, but it's just like a little like, oh, yes, what is that? What yes. Is that? Yes. Yes. And you don't have to know it. So if we're going to talk like just relating this to sobriety. So Mm -hmm. I had kind of had that feeling about drinking for a long time, for probably about two plus years. I had, there was a good friend of mine who became sober back in like 2019. And I was, I wasn't jealous. That wasn't the word, but there was something that she told me about it. And I was like, oh, okay. And there was a part of me that was like, well, that's for you. I, I couldn't do that. But I really, I was like intrigued by it. And I remember that feeling and I was like, oh, shoot, I think you want to be sober. Okay. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. But you know what I mean? Like when you have those like instincts and so not drinking was one of those things. Like JP and I had taken breaks off of drinking for years where we take like a month or two months, but I never imagined a life that would be completely sober. I grew up at every holiday, we had alcohol, every Christmas, every baptism, like you name it, there was drinking. 
I don't think in any way there's like a, a drinking problem per se in my family, but we definitely drank. Like there was, it was just, it was just the culture. Um, it was also the culture of the friends that I was around with. It was, I was raising kids in the high time of like mommy wine culture. Like it's, this is mommy's bottle, your bottle, mommy's bottle. Like that. I mean, kids had onesies with those shirts on. Like that's that's the motherhood world I was living in. I, I never had Asher in those, but I definitely know people who did, and I didn't think twice about it. I didn't think that that was a big of a deal. So it was just always around us. Um, but it didn't align with all the other choices I was making, and it kind of irked me, you know. And I, I wasn't quite ready to do anything about it. It was just one of those things that I kind of brushed off to be like. Yeah, but you don't have to be perfect. Like I made so many excuses about it. Like it doesn't. You don't have to be perfect. So, like at the time, I was um, pretty heavily plant based. I was meditating all the time. I was doing yoga, and then I would have a glass of wine on like a Tuesday night. And then JP and I would have like two or three on a Saturday night. And then I'd get up in the morning and go to yoga. And it was like, uh, I kind of have a headache, you know. And it was one of those things. Like I don't understand how I'm so like conscious of all the other choices I'm making in my life if, for whatever reason alcohol was one of those things like you just didn't question it because it's just what you did. And it was like, well, you don't have a problem. And I like, I hate that whole thing of like, you don't have a problem. I'm like, I know, but alcohol actually just is the problem. So like, that just like is the problem. You're not the problem. So like, I hate when people talk about like you being the problem. Like, no, it's just alcohol is a problem in general. It's the, why you're using it, why you're drinking it, why you have it in your life is the yeah, issue. Not yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I had thought about dabbling in sobriety, but I wasn't ready to do anything. And it was New Year's Eve um, 2020. JP and I had just gotten back from California with the kids for like two months. We're out west. And I'm not going to lie. I think every sunset I watched, I probably had a glass of rosé in my hand. So it probably was umped, like amped up. And so it was even more on my radar of like, oh, this feels icky. Um, and so it was New Year's Eve and we were at my parents in Ohio yeah. and it was like kind of a quiet New Year's Eve and I had a glass of white wine in my hand and it was like at the time, like kind of warm and like, we were kind of like, the, the, you know what I mean? Like when you're just like, it wasn't that good. It was like a cheap glass of wine. And I was like, this isn't even good. Yes. And mm -hmm. I just looked at JP. I'm like, I don't even want this. I'm going to go to yeah. bed. And I went over and I dumped yeah. the glass of wine and I go, that's the last, that's the last drink I'm having. And I said the words like kind of joking, I'm thinking like, well, until next week, you know, that's the last one. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. But then, yeah. I, but then I was like, you know what? We went into January. I'm like, I'm not going to drink the, the month of January. And I was like, and then January was like kind of like winding down. I'm like, I'm not going to drink February either. But I wasn't quite ready to say I'm not drinking anymore. I was just kind of like, well, I'm not going to drink tomorrow. And then I'll see how I feel tomorrow. And then it, here we are. I'm trying to think. Like 18 months later, I haven't. And – it's like, I think JP and I say all the time, like, because he ended up doing the same thing with me. It's for sure our superpower. Yeah. It's been the thing that has like changed my, my, my life the most. And it's really hard to put into words because a lot of people are like, yeah. I don't get it. How does not drinking change your life that much? It's wild how much it's changed our life. I, I don't, yeah, I just don't think we would be making the decisions we're making sure. today had we not had the clarity from not drinking. It forces you to get really clear with a lot of things. And it takes a couple of months until you start feeling that clarity. It took me until about month like three or four until I was like, wow, something really powerful is happening. And everything else became more vibrant, brighter, clearer, just... God, better. Yeah. So much flipping better. So much better. I woke up to this amazing world. And I think that sounds like kind of what you're doing. Like, this is amazing. This is what it should be. And we've done so much of trying to like minimalize our experiences in life by having a cocktail. I feel like it just, I don't know. It cheats. We cheat ourselves with experiences, yeah. concerts, going to the beach, watching a sunrise, sunset, all these things. And you're having yeah. a cocktail with it. Like, why? I, I feel yeah. like it ruins it. So I, I get what you're saying yeah. completely about yeah. how this – and I love that JP did it with you because that's – what yeah. a magical thing that is because that's not common. No, I, I feel like it made our marriage so much closer. So I just feel like from, you know, from a physical standpoint, like we can talk for days about like 100% it is better for our bodies. It, we, yes. we have the benefit of like being able to enjoy things, being more present, being with our kids and then remembering, waking up and feeling good. Like there's so many benefits to it. And then I think one of the best secondary benefits happened to be, which I wasn't expecting is, and new experiences, I know we've talked about this, is the, when you present yourself as being sober, there are so many challenges and pushbacks from mm -hmm. friends, family, society in general. It is definitely not a welcomed thing. And I think one of the things that has been really good is, A, first and foremost, it reconfirmed to me 
how much I used to look and drink for validation Absolutely. just because it was easier to just have a glass of wine at a girl's dinner instead of say, let's say, actually it's because I want to get up at five in the morning and go for a run. So I don't like, because that would be like, you'd make other people feel bad. I used to definitely, um, in the outside world, do what I needed to do to make other people comfortable. Sure. I feel like it once again was realigning with like, okay, I'm going to do things that make me feel good regardless of how the outside feels about it because people for sure have reactions to it, you know? And then, um, yeah, it just, it felt, it felt really, really good to like be more like in a line with, and like presenting myself in a way that felt authentic for me. But I think the other thing that was like really kind of um, surprising and the thing that was really took me that I wasn't expecting is by sharing it, and I would just encourage anyone listening to this, is making a choice to not do something that so many else, so many other people are doing is really hard. Whether it's not drinking, whether it's quitting a job, whether it's not going to college, whatever it may be, doing something that other people aren't doing is really hard and you're going to get pushback. And one of the coolest things about sharing my journey into sobriety has been other people saying, because you shared your story, I'm now 30 days sober, or I'm two, I'm on day one, I'm on day 101, I'm on day, and had you not shared it, I wouldn't have done it. And I think the thing is, is we live assuming that everyone else is going to still drink. And we yeah. forget that there's actually so many other people who are saying, I feel the same way you do that you do. I just didn't know there are others like us out there. Yes. And I think it just reconfirm for me how important it is to share your stories and be vocal about it. And then if there's any part of you that wants to, whether it's talk about, like, take a risk and become sober, write a book, whatever whatever the thing is, there is someone else out there who needs you to do it because they need, they need a trailblazer. They need someone in front of them. I think about my friend who first shared about her experience being sober. Had she not done that, I don't think I would have had the guts to say, you know what? I'm going to keep going in February because even though I hadn't said it to her openly, it really was her that kind of like kind of planted the seed to be like, maybe this is longer than just January. Maybe this is longer than just February. Maybe you will live a sober life. I don't think we know what's possible for ourselves until we see other people doing it. And I think sometimes we forget that we're that person that people need to see doing it. That's right. You know, and we think like, what's so special about me? Like I say that all the time, like I'm just a regular old girl. Like here I am, just this girl from the Midwest raising four kids. I don't know what the flip I'm doing with my life. Yeah. But I know that there's actually dozens of notes I've gotten of women saying, I'm sober because of you. So clearly I'm put here to do something. And anyone listening, same goes for you. Is there something that is in your gut that is telling you you need to either change, to do, to say, whatever it is? Yeah. We have to get it out there. We have yeah. to be able to speak it. We have to be have the courage to say, like, it may be uncomfortable at first, but there's someone out there who needs to hear this. Anyway, off my soapbox. <laughs> Pre, I mean, that is exactly why I do what I do as well. It, I've said that same yeah. thing a thousand times to myself. I am no one special. I have the total limiting yeah. belief of not being worthy, yada, yada, the whole thing. But I will get a random, I'll see a friend out that pays attention, watches, watches, watches. I don't get any feedback, but I'll, all of a sudden I'll be running, I'll run into this person and I'll go, hey, by the way, I loved when you shared this part of your story. It made me feel this way. And I'm like, boom, okay. You know, this is why I do it. Because there's yeah. if one person yeah. has heard something that affects them. And a lot of times it's hard because I feel like we're vulnerable and we're saying a lot of stuff about our personal life. And it's not necessarily a social media, but maybe you're in a group, a mom's group, or maybe you're at church or whatever, yeah. and you're sharing your story. It's hard because you're putting yourself out there. But at the same time, I do believe there's a reason why we go through hard things. There's a reason why we, you know, we, we are here to all learn from each other. The more I'm learning and growing, uh, the more I'm realizing we are never meant to do any of this alone. And that includes, you know, our journey through whether sobriety or, you know, personal growth through, you know, menopause to all the things we go through, all these different yeah, transitions yeah. in life. Um, we're never meant to do this alone. And that's why I think sometimes 2020 was so stinking hard because no one's done that before, at least no one I yeah. know, and trying to figure out how to make it all work. And if anything, I think hopefully it makes us appreciate the time we get with each other a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I, I do, I think that that we don't have to have some grand story, some lightning rod moment. We don't have to have some, you know, cancer survivor story or whatever. It can be just a small thing of, like you said, not drinking anymore. 
that could be big in some people's lives, that could be small in some people's lives. But I think that just modeling that and showing people what that can look like, it doesn't have to be AA. It doesn't have to be a recovery program. It doesn't have to be, yeah. you know, all the things. Like the book you talked about before is that Quit Like a Woman and the things she's done. Yeah. Like I think a lot of the things you're doing in your daily life are the tools that you've needed to to yeah. I mean, yeah. they're like they're your recovery tools. They're meditation, yeah. the yoga, the the breath work, whatever you're doing, you know, um, the community that you've got, you've growing, that's huge. And yeah. I, I, you yeah. tapped on this for a quick second. That's that support group, um, of women. Um, do you have a, a group of women now that you, or is that something that's shifted for you because of not drinking or because of other things, how you're living your life, you're no longer, you know, doing the things you used to do and you've changed. Do you now have a different support group or are you still in the process of finding or what's what's kind of keeping you? You mean just like friends, like just friends, well, friends in general? Yeah, people that – like you kind of mentioned that you you need the people ahead of you yeah. to, to light the way. Oh. So there's like some yeah. kind of like – friends, yes. So let's discuss the inner life, like real life friends also yeah. versus your – who you look to for spiritual guidance or yeah. mentorship or whatever. Do you know what's so funny? Yeah, is I look outward for a lot of stuff a lot less than mm-hmm. I used to. And um, I always consider myself to be a really social person and um, was lucky to have like really wonderful friends. But I think you and I have talked about this before, but I, I do feel like over the past few years, you know, I've had to quiet some of that and um, for lack of a better word, just be more particular about who I give my time and energy to. And so... I've had to pull back from a lot of friendships, which has been really hard. It's been really hard. Um, you know, there's a little bit of mourning process of letting go of some of that old identity, especially socially. You know, JP and I used to be really big social butterflies, and we don't do a lot of that anymore. And we always joke, like, we're not fun anymore. But I actually think we're a lot more fun now. We just do things yes. that are actually, like, more meaningful yes. for us. Um, and, like, that actually feel actually more fun for us. But so as far as, like – you know, in our real like day-to-day lives as far as like friends go and like socializing stuff like that is that looks like black and white different than it yeah, used to a yeah, few years yeah. ago, which is I feel like we have like a new identity now um, that I'm still learning. And then I'd say as far as like support goes, you know, I have a handful of women who I like really admire and that I can share things with and I can go to for advice or they likewise come to me for advice. And it's really women who are doing similar things things that I'm doing. And and I don't mean necessarily like blogging or running online groups, but from a sense of like really trying to be authentic with themselves and um, are focused on like self-discovery and like living a conscious life. And I know that sounds yeah. really cheesy, but that's hard because, you know, you go to school, pick up and it's like talking about like baseball schedules and all these things. And I'm like, wait, I can't talk about any of those things. I like, I like go inward. I'm like a hermit. I don't like, can't, I can't talk about kids or social stuff. Like I just can't. But if you, if you meet me and you're like, Hey, did you, have you read this book on self-discovery? I'm like, tell me your deepest. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, let's just skip all the small talk. Let's get, di- let's dive in. Yes. Yes. So like I definitely have those women that I can call, you know, and just say, hey, I'm feeling really vulnerable. I'm, I'm sharing this new thing or I'm launching this product or I'm doing this and I'm really nervous. Can you help yeah. me? And those are the, that, that's who I give my time and energy to. And likewise, I like to be that yeah. for them. Um, and it, it's much more meaningful relationships. I feel like they truly know me at this this venture, you know, it's one of those things like I've heard a lot, like you've changed, you've changed. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can do is to yeah. change. And the greatest gift we can do is to change in front of someone else and give them the permission to do the same thing and come along with you. And for a lot of people, they they may they may be or they may not be. And for a long time, I didn't. You know, there were a lot of people, I'm sure, who had to let me go back in the day. And like I have no shame in that. And there was a lot of like learning I had to do that I wasn't ready to do. And so I know there were a lot of relationships that let me go. And, you know, I'm just now to that point where I'm hoping that I don't know that the relationships I have are um, mutually like respectful and like we're on the same, same similar path. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's probably the, the hardest, one of the hardest things about this process of going through the change and transition into where you're at now is having the people around you that feed that part of you, that support you. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard because it's not, it's, it's like Martha Beck says in her book that teachers will like, when you're open to it, you will find your teachers. Yeah. So it's like letting yourself yeah. be open and, yeah. um, expect them, right. Maybe expect those teachers yeah. to come and those women to come into your life and they're going to show up. I mean, tell you, I yeah. just, I mean, 
you're one of mine for sure. Um, oh, you're so sweet. I, I, I just, uh, it's funny because I think Mary Jo is the one that shared yeah. about your reset and restore program. And I was like, <laughs> what's Mary Jo doing? Hold on a second. Looked it up. And then I was like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Who is this woman? I love her. And I wish you guys could like see here. If I was a better podcast, we'd have this audio, we'd have this video going too, but we're not there yet. Um, But you just exude such warmth and grace and kindness and love. And I, anybody that meets you, I mean, that's what, I mean, if anything, we're going to get into this in a second about what you know, what you're doing right now and how people can find you. But uh, I would be a part of your group your wellness group, just to have that kind of positivity and kindness and love in my life. I don't know who doesn't need more of that. So um, let's get into your wellness group that you've got going on. You've got a wellness membership that you've got going on. Tell us more about that right now. Yeah. Thanks for, well, first of all, thanks for saying those words. Like you have always been like a bright, like just, I know a lot of the other women too in the group have always like looked to you, like when we were doing like reset and restore, like you've always been like the woman who's like always showing up, like you put in the work and um, like it's evidence, clear to see how much work you've put into yourself. And I know that a lot of people are drawn to that. And I just, I hope that you, the way you look at me, I hope that you know that that's the same way I look at you. Mm-hmm. And I know so many other women do too. Thank you. And I know that sometimes it's hard to hear that. It is. But like it's hard to receive. Mm-hmm. It's hard to receive. It is. Someone, someone my um, friend Jackie Lachlan, when I was uh, a long time ago, said to me, because um, I'm not good at taking compliments and choices, like people, you can't give people the gift of giving if you can't receive. And so I always think about that all the time. Like, so like, thank you for letting me give that gift of giving. Yes, thank you. Um, so yeah, we have a membership program, which is new for us. It's new. I mean, we've had it before, but it was only opened. Um, we offer a four week, I'm just going to call it a mindfulness program Yeah, and it's called reset and restore that you've done before. And yep. I've loved that program. It's kind of like the, the baby and like the backbone of, um, Katie, great Katie Rex and wellness. And it's been amazing. We've done it five times. I don't know that we're going to do it anymore. And so what we offer now is like, if you've either Previously, it was only if you've done Reset and Restore that you could join the membership. But now it's kind of just open for everyone. Yeah. We meet once a month to talk about anything, like all things intentional living and mindful living. So that could be something physical. It could be something emotional. It could be spiritual. It could talk about friendship. It could be talking about supplements, like anything that's really along the lines of like helping us feel well and good in our bodies and in our minds because the day-to-day world, like we don't have that type of support. Like you're not going to get that at school pickup like we talked about. You're most likely not going to get that from friends and family. And so where do you get that? Yeah. And so the membership is really designed to be like that community of women. So once a month, we check in with each other. They kind of tell me what they need. Yeah. (laughs) What do we need to talk about this month? And then I kind of design the call based around like what is hot for them, like what's on their radar. Um, and we gather. We also meditate anywhere from two to three times a month live. And then we have, um, you know, some meditation, like, like meditations that you can watch like all on a recorded, um, pre-recorded. And um, I'm going to call them mindful movement sequences, but it's really like a combination of Pilates slash yoga that's easy enough for a beginner yet hard enough for advanced. There's all different lengths and times. And so that's the whole thing. So you can – the doors are always open for that. You can come and join at any time. It's, it's a really special – group of women because they're all there because they want to be there because they want, right. And they want that community. They want that um, support. They want to be the best version of themselves. So that's why they're there. So I it's really it. special. I love it. And that's what I think if you're looking to find your tribe, your people, like if you're going through yeah. something, that's a great place to start to look so yeah. these kind of organizations, these kind of groups, these kind of memberships, yes. I think they're yeah. so good. Yes. And whether it's, whether, listen, whether that's Katie Rexing or whether that's, there's, there's a million of them out there, like, yeah. right. That's the beautiful thing about what's happening in social media right now in the world. right now there are so many people who are doing on similar paths and wanting to do the same thing. And you will find, you know, your group there out there. You, you certainly do not have to do it alone anymore. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's sobriety or photography or, yeah. you know, what writing there's, there's a community out there for you. I just have to go like, get yourself out there, put yourself yeah. out there and find it. And you're going to be, I mean, you're going to get what you need when you don't get what you have in real life. Like the, the yeah, everyday, day-to-day stuff, that's what you so get. True. I love it. Um, okay. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. I'll put the links You're and stuff so like cute. that. I'll do it. Um, so th- to finish things off, because I know we have to get going here, since this podcast is about being awake, well, and empowered, right? What is making you feel odd right now? A-W-E-D. You know, honestly, it's as simple as having faith and trusting that I am doing exactly what I need to be doing and I'm, I am where I'm supposed to be. 
And that is um, really for all walks of our life right now, especially going through this transition. I'm transitioning some a lot of things right now in my business, working on a new project that feels really hard and scary. We are – oh, my gosh, I just got emotional there. Uh, and that's making me feel alive, awake, you know, and inspired and all the things. And same with our move. And it's really – hard because both of those things, I have no idea what they look like. You know, I don't, we don't have a home yet for a move and we're moving in seven weeks. We don't know where we're going. And it is taking every ounce of me to just trust in the fact that like it will present itself when it's ready. And I'm, I don't, I know you understand this when I say this, but I'm holding out of the feelings I want to feel and not worrying about what it looks like or what it, how it comes together. I just want to feel a certain way. So I want to feel a certain way in my work. I want to feel a certain way in my family and in my home. And I'm holding on to how I want to feel. And I trust that the universe will present whatever needs to be, whatever it needs to be physically in order to hold that feeling. But yeah. it is not how I've lived my whole life. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. There's something, there was some, I don't know, it was a book or somewhere I heard this is what if we looked at life with wonder and not yeah. worry? Like yeah. we don't know the future. So yeah. I feel like you're this moment and what you're doing, you're looking at life with wonder and not worry. And I love it. I love yeah. it. Thank you for being such an inspiration yeah. in that sense. And I, I cannot wait to follow your journey. Oh, thank you. So tell everybody where they can find uh, Katie Rexing. Where are you mostly yeah. active as they can yeah, follow along? totally. You can um, – I'm on Instagram. It's at Katie Rexing. And no underscore, no dots. It's just Katie Rexing. And you can always DM me. I, I live for the for good DMs. So me too. If you have any questions, you want to get in there, ask about the, the program. You can find all the information. Um, it's all linked in my bio about our membership program. Perfect. And then online, we're actually just just finishing up building a brand new website that will be katierexing.com, but it's not quite ready yet. So it is on Grace the in the Crumbs, okay. which is, is is the website, which has all that my information too. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find me and hopefully a couple other places soon. But awesome. yeah, for now, it's just Katie Rexing. Awesome. Katie, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. I mean, oh this God, has been a joy. I, would, I could talk for hours with you and we'll spare the, the audience Ditto. that conversation. Ditto. But um, all right. Thank you so much and we'll talk soon. God. Okay. Love you. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review so we can be found by other people. Please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at halliesawyer.com or on Instagram. I'm usually going to be at uh, hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right, have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.